conclude today the series I've been preaching uh, the past uh, two weeks. Today's the third week of it uh, because next Sunday I won't be preaching. It'll be the Christmas worship experience. I promise you that will be a blessing to you. If you want to be here, as they said, and bring a guest, you'll enjoy it. But today I want to conclude the series that I've been preaching. If you'll stand with me all over the room, we're going to read two passages of Scripture. The first one is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 64. And then the second one will be found in Romans chapter 3. Uh, and if you don't have your Bibles, they're going to have it on the screen for you. If they'll get the house lights for me for the reading of the word. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6. The word said, All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us away. Now let's turn to Romans chapter 3 verses 9 through 12. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all, Paul said. For we have already made this charge that the Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. I want to preach to you today this third message in this series, Home for Christmas. Today's title is There's Room for Everyone on the Nice List. If you will, pray with me and for me today. Father, we just thank you for your presence we've already felt and experienced in the worship. We thank you for the opportunity to give and sow into your kingdom. But God, now we come before you to break the bread of life. And Father, I pray for the next few moments you would remove every hindrance that would come against this service. That you would loose the anointing of your Holy Spirit. God, that I would not speak my words today, but that your word would come forth in the demonstration and the power of your spirit. God, I ask you to anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what you're speaking to us today. And God, it's my prayer that before we leave this house today, everybody in this room will be able to say truly in their hearts... I'm home for Christmas. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. A few years ago, there was a spotting of an elf around town that may resemble somebody that some of you all know. So we're going to put a picture up on the screen and see if you recognize him. Some of you do. If you don't get it in that picture, maybe you'll get it in this one. Our worship pastor made a good elf, little elf, little elf. Some of y'all will get that in a minute, little elf. He made a good one for uh, the kids at the Corbin Preschool Center uh, a few years ago. But um, today, we actually have some guests with us. I want to ask them, uh, if they will, to come on in. We have some real live Buddy the Elves today. Give them a big hand as they come in. You've seen the movie. He says, Santa, I know him. He said, Pastor Sean, I know him. This is Lauren, Buddy the Elf, and this is Michaela. She came today to be uh, Buddy the Elf with us. Don't they look amazing? Give them a big hand clap. Now, we're going to use the simplicity of this movie to, to learn a lesson today. So if you don't know about Buddy the Elf, here's the story. 
Buddy is, is uh, left in an orphanage. First of all, he's, he's raised as an elf at the North Pole. Uh, because he's left at an orphanage, and nobody wanted him, right? And so Santa slips in with the presents at the orphanage on Christmas Eve. And Buddy, unbeknownst to Santa, uh, gets into Santa's bag of toys and makes his way onto the sleigh. And then he ends up at the North Pole, uh, where he's raised as an elf. Now, the thing about Buddy is, is he's not an elf like Nicholas. <laughs> he's much taller, like Michaela. But he doesn't realize that he's actually a human and not an elf. And so Santa breaks the news to him that he actually has an earthly father uh, who lives in New York City. And so Buddy uses the code of the elves, which we've been talking about these last three sermons, uh, to live his life. But also he uses it to make his way home to New York City. And by living his life by the code of the elves, he saves Christmas uh, and he finds his dad. So I want you to give these two buddies a great big hand again this morning for helping us out. After service, oh, wait a minute. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. After service today, uh, there's going to be two photo opportunities. Lauren will be by the big tree in the lobby. And we want you to go over and take some pictures with Lauren. We have a couple hashtags uh, we want you to use if they'll throw those up on the screen for me real quick. Uh, there's another photo opportunity in this hallway right here. Uh, and uh, Michaela will be at that tree and with the Code of the L sign. And we want you to take some pictures because we want people to ask you about them. And so you can share the gospel with them this Christmas. So hashtag those pictures though. Hashtag home for Christmas at FP, hashtag FP code of the elves after service. Just find a spot, uh, get you and your family, take a picture, hashtag it. Uh, those will all be in the same place that way on our social media platforms. You'll be able to find them that way, but other people will be able to ask you, and you'll be able to share the story of Christmas uh, with them. So uh, don't forget that after service today. Find one of the buddies in the foyer in the lobby and take a picture with them. So um, we're focusing on the elf code and learning how we should live so that we, along with others, can get home for Christmas. We've kind of switched the order up a little bit. Today, we're talking about the one they just said was number two. There's room for everyone on the nice list. How many of us in the room would say, I want to be on the nice list? Let me see your hands, right? Most everybody wants to be considered a nice person. We all want to be on what you might call the nice list. And we all understand, or most of us have understood from the times that we, time that we were a child, uh, that we were children, we understand that it's best, right, particularly around Christmas, to be on the nice list. Because if you're on the nice list, you get gifts for Christmas. If you're not on the nice list and you're on the naughty list, you get Cole, thank you. Some of y'all are as old as me. All right. The rest, these younger kids don't know that. But so I want to propose to you this morning, though, that during the year, in between Christmases, from this Christmas till next Christmas, people would rather spend time with and hang out with folks who are on the nice list. Amen? They would rather be around people who are good people. But it may just be wishful thinking to think that everybody is on the nice list. In fact, I can vividly remember one scene in the movie, uh, in the Elf movie, where Buddy finds out that his father is on the naughty list instead of the nice list. And when he does, he's devastated and he freaks out. Everybody is not on the nice list. I want us to revisit this morning our main text in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6. The word said all. Say all. All of us become like one who is unclean. 
And all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. When we read that passage of scripture, we might even think, my goodness, is there any hope for us? Because we're all contaminated with sin. We are all sin infected. This book tells us, this passage of scripture tells us that our very best efforts are like grease-stained rags. But then we go to Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 12, and we read, What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all, the writer said, for we have already made the charge that the Jews and the Gentiles alike are, there's that word again, all under the power of sin. As it is written, watch this, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All, there's the word again, have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So where does that put us? Do the Jews get a better break than the others? No, not really, according to this passage of Scripture. Because basically, all of us, whether insiders or outsiders, whether we were raised and cut our teeth on church pews, or maybe we never even heard about Jesus, Jesus until we were a teenager, regardless of where we come from, what our socioeconomic status is, what side of the tracks we were born on, how much sin we've been a part of, or how good we've been all of our lives, all of us come from the same place. We are all unworthy together. None of us are any better than anybody else. That means the person seated on the next seat to you who may have never darkened the doors of a church until recently and you who might have cut your teeth on church pews are on a level playing field when it comes to Jesus there we all start out in identical conditions we all regardless of who we are or where we come from and here's the way we all start out some people don't like this word but it is what it is and it is what we all are sinners we all start out as sinners scripture leaves no doubt about it I want to share this same passage with you from the message translation and here's the way it reads there's nobody living right not even one nobody who knows the score nobody alert for God they've all taken the wrong turn they've all wandered down blind alleys no one's living right I can't find a single one if you were to keep reading you'd go on down in verse 23 and you'd find that the writer drives it home then when he says we have all say all again we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God so unfortunately I have some bad news to share with us first this this morning and that bad news is we're all on the naughty list we were all born on the naughty list every single one of us there's nobody here with special privileges or exceptions you might even say they're just a I'm just a good person no being a good person does not get you off the naughty list you don't have a special pass I'm gonna preach this to us this morning just because you have a spiritual lineage or a heritage in your family I don't care if your parent or your grandparent was a preacher or planted a church or you've been preachers every generation you can remember 
number back. It does not matter. That is not how you get your name written down. We are all naughty. We all start out on the naughty list. There are no exceptions, no special circumstances, and no free passes. It does not matter who we are. There's none righteous. No, not one. But fortunately, I'm going to share the good news now. That's what makes Christmas so very special. Jesus arrives on the scene. How does that help us, you might ask? Let's go to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, and let me show you. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived inside of her is from the Holy Spirit. Watch this. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins Hallelujah Did you hear that last phrase this morning? He will save his people from their sins In fact, his name We often talk about the name Emmanuel We don't often talk about the name Jesus But let me share with you The name Jesus actually means Literally means to deliver or to rescue Somebody say rescue. Is there anybody in the house this morning that can say, I'm glad Jesus rescued me? Hallelujah. I'm glad Jesus rescued me. That's what the name Jesus means. That's why the baby came in the manger. See, we celebrate at Christmas. Yes, we give gifts, and, and sometimes we get off, we, we decorate and we give gifts and we have throw parties and we get a little bit off track and forget that we're celebrating the baby in the manger. Everybody loves loves to celebrate the cross and the tomb, but we forget to celebrate the baby in the manger sometimes. But I'm so thankful this morning that the baby came, because without the baby and the manger, without him coming in the form of man, so that he could take on the form of man and bear our sins, live 33 and a half years, and then give his life on a cross and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, so that on the third day, he could could arise conquering death, hell, and the grave, showing the world that he was God and giving you and I the gift of eternal life. Thanks be to God for baby Jesus. As a rescuer and a deliverer, we talked about the storms that have happened this weekend just a minute ago. There's a story that I'm sure many of you have heard before. It's a story of a little boy whose mother was tucking him into bed one night in the middle of a pretty rough thunderstorm. And the little boy was scared and he wanted his mama to stay with him. His mother told him, there's no need to be afraid. Jesus is always right here with you. He promised that he would never leave you. So you don't have to be afraid. Even though I'm going to leave and go down the hallway and go to bed. He's still right here. To which the little boy replied, I know, but I need somebody with skin on. 
How many knows there's times in our lives when we need somebody with skin on? But thanks be to God, Jesus, whose name means to rescue, arrived as Emmanuel. Who mean, which means God with us. In other words, God with skin on came to this earth to rescue us with the purpose of his arrival is so that he could rescue you and I. In other words, he showed up so that you could get your name off the naughty list onto the nice list. Now the writer of Romans makes it clear that we're on the naughty list, but he also makes it clear that through Jesus... We're given the opportunity to be on the nice list. Romans chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. That's how we are saved. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who just those who have faith in Jesus. Now, that's the NIV. Let me read you now the message translation of the same passage. It says, God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear the world of sin. Having faith in Him sets us in the clear. Isn't that good? God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with Himself through the sacrifice of Jesus. Finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, the writer said, but it's now. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his rightness. Did you hear that? This is current history. Somebody say today. Today is the day of salvation. I came to tell somebody this morning, it is possible, regardless of how naughty you may feel like you have been, regardless of what you feel like you may have came out of, it is possible because of the baby Jesus that we can live in his rightness. It's possible for us to trade our righteousness, with which is filthy rags, for his righteousness. It is possible for us to move our name off the list we came in on to another list. Romans 10 and 13 tells us that whosoever, say whosoever. In, in modern English, the way the teenagers talk, that is everybody. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The nice list that I'm talking about is not at all a list of people who are just nice. It's actually a record. It's an official record of people who have accepted Jesus. And it's actually more than just a list. It's a book. And the writer of Revelation tells us that it's the Lamb's book of life. And here's the good news about that official record, the Lamb's book of life. The good news is that everybody... Everybody who has received salvation, their name has been written down in the Lamb's book of life. And if your name and your name and your name have been written down there, I want to tell you something this morning. There is nothing that the devil can ever do or any other enemy or any other evil can ever do to take your name out of that book once it's been written down. 
There's nothing that the enemy can do. But here's where the rub is this morning, if you will, in the modern church age we live in. Here's the rub. Just because there's room on the nice list does not mean everybody's on it. It's about to get quiet right now. Just because there's room doesn't mean everybody's on it. Now, I know we're living in a church age where everything is accepted. Is anybody going to help me preach this morning? We're living in a church age where we, there is no naughty list. Can I get a witness anymore? There's no naughty list because there's nothing defined as naughty. Is anybody with me? There's, there's nothing wrong. Everything's left open to interpretation, if you will. And so it doesn't matter what you do as long as you think you're good. As long as you think your name's on the list, it's there. But I want to tell you something this morning. That may be the modern thing that's going on in the church world, but this preacher came to tell you this morning there is a naughty list, and then there's the Lamb's Book of Life. And not everybody is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Actually, the book says not everybody who even says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into heaven. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, I don't care how widely accepted it is. If it's sin and this book calls it sin, it will separate you from God and you better get it out of your life and get your name on the right list. Abby and I had a conversation about this this week and without going into too much detail she was saying daddy how is it that sometimes people just think because listen folks we live in a church age where people say I love Jesus and they attend church and then they openly do things that are blatantly contrary to the word of God and there's no conviction I said, here's the deal. Just because everybody wants to say it's okay. Just because the modern church world doesn't want anybody to be offended. Do you know I've even had people say, Pastor Sean, you probably, because every once in a while, if you've been here, you'll know. Sometimes I get right down to the nitty gritty. Y'all can say amen. You know I do. Sometimes my wife tells me after church, you probably shouldn't have said that. Sometimes other people have said, Pastor Sean, if you'd just kind of steer away from the, uh, from the uh, controversial issues, you could probably run a church of 500 or 1,000. And sometimes I ponder that and I think, man, I guess that would be easy. I'm still working two jobs and I'm not complaining about that. But I thought, I guess that would be easy. But I want to tell you something. Something gets down in my gut and tells me I don't care about running 500 or 1,000. I care about your name being written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because that's the only thing that's going to make a difference one day. Just because there's room doesn't mean that we've taken advantage of the vacancy. You can drive by a vacancy sign at a hotel, but unless you pull over and go in and check in, you'll never enjoy that room. Are you with me? Listen, folks. Jesus has done all he needs to do. He's done all he's going to do. Let me say it that way. He came to earth. He took The punishment for our sin. He laid his life down. He made provision. He made room on the list or in the book for us. 
But how many of you have seen movies or television shows where somebody is standing on the edge of a bridge or on the edge of a building and they're about to jump? And there are people in the back that are trying to talk them out of jumping. And you may even see that rescuers sneak up on them. Grab them from behind and pull them, physically constrain them and pull them back into safety. But I want to tell you today, no doubt, today, there are people in this room who are resisting their own rescue. There are people in this room who are fighting their own freedom. But folks, I want to tell you something. This is the other unpopular thing we don't preach anymore. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to participate in our own rescue. Nobody can sneak up on you and force you into freedom. Nobody can sneak up behind you and force you into freedom. But because of the baby in the manger who gave his life on the cross, you and I and you and you can walk in freedom because of that baby. Jesus has already done all the hard work. He's done the, for all you football players in here, he's already done the heavy lifting. He paid the high price when he gave his life on the cross. And he made room for us, all of us. That's what's so good about God. But we must call on his name. We must. See, we got to admit, first of all, that we're on the naughty list. I'm about done. We got to be able to admit that. That's a problem today. That's a problem today. Nobody wants to admit anything. But we have to admit that. And accept our responsibility that we're on the wrong list. But see, here's the, the good news of the gospel. The promise is that all, just like all are unrighteous, the promise to all who call upon the name of the Lord is, we shall be saved. That's the good news of the gospel. The same writer who told us we're on the naughty list tells us what we got to do to get our name in the Lamb's book of life. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. Watch this. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Say Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Watch this. You will be saved. It's that Easy. The word says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As they come to the music this morning, I remember as a child growing up in vacation Bible school, they taught us the ABCs of salvation. How many remembers that? Anybody remember the ABCs of salvation? All right, thank you. It's very simple. A, admit. There we go again. Admit you're a sinner and in need of a Savior. B, believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He came 
in the form of a baby. He lived 33 and a half years and he gave his life on a cross. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sin and my sin. Believe and see, confess. That's why this passage of scripture says if you declare or confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. The good news today is that there is indeed room for everybody on the nice list. There's plenty of grace, plenty of mercy, plenty of forgiveness. See, Jesus secured enough for even the worst of sinners. But here's the reality. Only you and I place sin in a hierarchy. We sometimes think, oh, he did this, and it's on this level, but man, he did this. This is bad, but this is really, really bad. Only you and I do that. The Bible tells us sin is sin. And there's enough grace and enough mercy in the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary. Even what we would rank in the highest of the hierarchy of sin. There's enough grace and mercy to wash it white as snow. 2 Peter 3 and 9 tells us the Lord's not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness. Instead, He's patient with you. Isn't that good? God's patient with you. Watch this. Not wanting anybody to perish, but everybody to come to repentance. Folks, that's the basis of the entire Christmas story. All of this that we celebrate is because God wanted you and I to have the opportunity to make a choice not just a life choice but an eternal life choice that's what it's all about and it can all be summed up everything that we know can be summed up in this most of you can quote it John chapter 3 verse 16 for God so loved the world, that's you and I, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever, that's anybody, that believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life, everlasting life. If you will, stand with me all over the room today. And I want to ask you the question. Who wants to be on the right list today? There's room. I said there's room. But we must simply do our small part. I firmly believe with everything in me, there's somebody in this room. And you know because the Holy Spirit is dealing with you right now. You can just about feel your heart pounding out of your chest. Somebody needs to not resist your rescue today but instead embrace it 
Somebody needs to not fight against your freedom today. But instead, walk into it. Somebody needs to leave this place today knowing that you're home in the Lord's house.